0: You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is a music business consultant and artist coach who helps musicians of all stages create profitable and sustainable careers through online entrepreneurship. Our guest offers free strategy sessions to artists as well as additional artist development resources on her website, www.lindsaykirkendall.com. We are happy to welcome Lindsay Kirkendall onto the Break the Business Podcast. Hi, Hi, Lindsay.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm excited for this too. As I was reading up about you, something in particular really intrigued me. And I want to dig right into that because I have to say, I'm always intrigued by the artist coaches out there who go against the conventional wisdom and offer a different perspective to musicians. And I think you're definitely one of those folks. I'd like to start by (laughs) talking about one of your... Overarching philosophy is an artist development. In one of your introduction videos, I noticed that you emphasize that you provide consulting resources to your clients that helps them achieve success without struggling or, quote, being a starving artist. And I will confess that Many people who talk to artists, myself included, are often the first ones to tell artists that achieving success in life as an indie musician is a grind. It's almost always a struggle and that artists should be prepared to sacrifice and go through tough times on their path. Are we giving artists bad advice when we say things like that?
1: <laughs> I mean, yes, but also <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I think that um, anybody who sets out on an entrepreneurial endeavor, needs to understand that there's always some level of sacrifice involved if you want to achieve something big in your life, you know? Um, So from a general standpoint, whether you're an artist or whether you're, you know, trying to have a tech startup or anything where it's like you're going to forge your own path, like, yeah, everybody has their own challenges, right? But I think that on the flip side of that coin is this place where – we can kind of recognize that on some level artists have kind of been sold a bill of goods in the sense that, Oh, being an artist has to be a grind and you have to really suffer for your art and don't expect to make a lot of money if ever. And it's all about the music, which I don't think that there's anything wrong with that being all about the music. But I think that what can happen is that ultimately We're giving advice to artists who in this day and age have the tools and resources available to them to build their own businesses as entrepreneurs. They do not have to rely on a label system to achieve a level of success that really pays them as a professional. And when I'm talking about pays them as a professional, I'm talking about at least a six figure income, if not much, much more. And so if we're continuing to fuel this idea that artists have to, starve or artists are not going to be able to be successful. It's just not really serving the artist because who wants to put the time and effort forth on this entrepreneurial endeavor if they know that there's not a big pot of gold at the end of it all? (laughs) you know? Um, So that's kind of my take on it. I think that we do artists a disservice trying to, to tell them, hey, that it has to be a struggle and it has to be a grind. And I think As I've studied online entrepreneurship and as I've watched the trends in in technology and social media and how people are building businesses, they're really building businesses from a place of lifestyle design and going, and this is what I've done in my own business too. I, I am a mom of two kids. I also am an artist. I love serving my clients, but I also sometimes want to take a vacation and I want to go take a dance class or I want to do all these other things. How do I do that if I'm working 70 hours a week? It's just not possible. So I look at it from a place of how many hours a week do I want to work and what do I want to make and then reverse engineer it from there. And I think artists can do that as, as easily as any other entrepreneur or in any other industry.
0: Well, that's one of the things about the consul- your consulting approach that I was also intrigued by is that you you seem to take a lot of emphasis on trying to give artists what I think is one of the most difficult resources for artists to come by, which is more time, right? Mm -hmm. And I think these two things are intertwined, right? The idea of artists don't have to be starving. It doesn't have to be a grind. And one of the ways that we can do that is by managing your time better and freeing up more times and freeing up more time for artists. So I know that many of our listeners out there do struggle with time management. You're talking to somebody on this microphone who struggles with time Mm -hmm. management and finding more hours in the day. So for artists, what do you, what do you think is the biggest time management mistake that you're seeing artists making?
1: I think it's really not so much in, um, in the strategy of how do I better? It's in the approach and it's, how do I value my time? Where am I really prioritizing? And What does that say about me? Um, And I think that often I find that artists will, you know, especially if you are an artist that maybe doesn't have a family yet and you're single and you have a lot of time, um, often that can just get eaten up with busy work, you know? And really when you try to focus and just go, I'm going to set the timer for 45 minutes and get this one task done, And start to train yourself into doing things like that rather than spending days on end just falling down the rabbit hole, it becomes a lot easier. And you also start to build the skill of efficiency and getting stuff done rather than just going, Well, I have the time to do it. So I'm just going to keep working. When in reality, you know, we don't really need to be spending 40, 50, 60 hours of work per week to generate a really lovely income, it's that we have to be a little bit more intentionable, attentionable, that's not a word, intentional. (laughs) We have to be a little more intentional about how we generate the income and who we're approaching and how we're partnering with people and what types of things that we we offer. Are there any particular
0: strategies or techniques that you tend to emphasize with your clients to make sure that they're not just filling up time for the sake of filling up time, but they're, but that they are more purposeful with every hour and making sure they get the most out of the time they spend on their career.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we as artists are so unique, right? There are no two artist businesses that are going to look alike. And I think that's kind of the beauty of what's available to us in this new music industry versus what was traditional, you know, and any artist that went through the label system, you had your four streams of revenue, you know, merch, touring, publishing, and, you know, whatever. I don't know. I'm probably missing one of them. But, um, but now it's like, you can make your income in so many other varied ways that it's going to look really different depending on each artist's unique circumstance, whether you're a parent or whether you're not, or if you're single or What have you, if you want to be on the road 300 dates a year, if you don't, if you just want to stay at home in your bedroom and create digital content, there are so many varied ways of making that happen that when it comes to the time piece, it really comes down to how much of your time do you want to be spending doing this? And how much of your time, you know, do you want to be spending doing other things that you love? And how much of your time can you feasibly give to deliver on the things that you want to be doing? So there's all these pieces that we have to look at. And so to your question, or to put a finer point on it, one of the strategies that we use often is Patreon, um, because that really allows artists to put a paywall between the content that they're creating and their audience. And one of the biggest mistakes I see people do when they're using the Patreon platform is that they feel like they have to give away the farm. And so they're giving and giving and giving, and they're trying to do all these things to make you know, a $15 a month uh, patron look valuable. And what they don't often realize is that the more they put things on their plate that require administrative tasks or running to the post office every week to send out merch or you know, keeping up with whose birthday is when. So I'm going to call my fans on their birthday every year. (laughs) It becomes a logistical nightmare. And they don't realize that at the end of the day, what they're actually doing is they're diminishing their hourly wage because they're doing all of these other things in their business that they don't actually want to be doing. Who wants to be running to the post office more than, you know, once maybe every few weeks, if you, if you really have to, (laughs) So we start to look at it from that standpoint. So Patreon's always a really great example because I see a lot of people do it really wrong. Um, but is that, is that kind of what you were asking? I'm not sure if I, maybe I went around the mulberry bush on that one.
0: It was a, it was a great answer. And I'm, and I'm glad that you brought up Patreon in particular, because I think that platform does a really good job of, I, of uh, addressing the other issue that you brought up, which is that there are more revenue streams than ever for artists to make money. Yeah. It's not just merch, touring, publishing records. It's, you know, I think, uh, jerk fee in the uh, music industry author said there's like something like 30 different revenue streams that exist now for artists. And so Patreon there's more,
1: actually there's over 40
0: over four. Oh, I've, yeah. I, I should be keeping better track. Um,
1: I'll send you my list. I and please have a list. Do. Of
0: and so, but what Patreon does is it'll, it allows an artist to sort of compartmentalize all those different streams, or at least many of those different streams, into one source by offering whatever sort of revenue streams the artist wants to avail themselves of through one resource. And to your point, yes, the more that you can sort of group together and take the hours out of your Patreon uh, deliverables, the better your life's going to be. I think I had an artist tell me once to your point that, uh, the, the phone call on your birthday uh, Patreon reward is one of the biggest mistakes you can make oh, as an yeah. artist because you don't know oh, what yeah. you're going to be doing on that person's birthday two, three years from now. And it might no. be very inconvenient for you to give them a call.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally true. I mean, I've seen people get themselves into just total logistical nightmares that I'm like, how do you actually plan on delivering on all of this stuff? Are you going to hire a VA to manage it? You know? And then again, like that's a, cutting into your profit.
0: Yep. I'd love to talk to you now about your work with female musicians in particular. Um, sure. I'm a you know, big admirer of this. And I know you frequently talk to your clients about fighting against this idea that music careers have a shelf life. And this is something mm-hmm. that you know, plagues female musicians, I think, uh, unfairly more so than men. But you, you're always the first to tell clients that there's no such thing as being too old to find yeah. success as a musician, which certainly goes against sort of the old model of how we see artists as you know being something where the older you get, the less profitable you become. But you right. seem to preach uh, the opposite gospel here. Can you reflect on that a bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the beautiful thing about what the digital space has allowed us as artists and as creators is that we have the ability to put our highest message out into the world. And as artists, you know, we're not creating music and creating art and writing songs just to sit at home and play to the wall. If we're making music and we're trying to put it out on digital distribution and, getting it and streaming and putting it on YouTube and we're trying to put our content in front of eyeballs, well, chances are we're doing it because we feel compelled to do so. And I tend to believe that if we are having the compulsion to do that, it's likely because there are people on the other end of of receiving of that art that really need to hear what you have to uniquely say. Because there are going to be people that are impacted by artist A in ways that they are not going to be impacted in by artist b even though artist a and b might share some of the same fans um Mm -hmm. and so understanding that each artist really has a unique opportunity to build a brand and build a business around who they are as people and how their art is informed by who they are as people really allows us to take a big thirty thousand foot view back and just pull back the lens and go okay so if we accept that premise then are we willing to say that once you're over 25, you're not, especially as a woman, you're not valuable anymore because that's what record labels would typically, I mean, you're over 25. It's like, Ooh, and they're, they're starting to not look at you anymore, which maybe it's softening about a little bit now, but still it's very, very much like that. And I can't tell you every single woman I've ever worked with, even if they're 25 themselves, they already are fearful of, they have that ticking time clock going on in the back of their minds. And it's usually either I'm going to age out and the, and record labels won't look at me or I'm going to, um, like my biological clock is ticking and I don't know how to juggle my desire to someday have a family with my desire to still have a profitable career and not have to sacrifice one at this for the sake of the other. Um, and so my, my thing, especially for women is, and this is true for men as well, but we really have more to offer the older that we get when we are creating art. Because yes, there are profound 22 year olds in the world. There's no doubt about it. There are very many old souls that can create amazing art at a very young age. But the vast majority of artists are average in the sense that they, like you'll hear the fine wine parallel a lot. You know, the wine is more valuable the older that it is. And I think that when you're writing songs, you have more life experience to draw from if you've gone through a marriage or a divorce or having children and having to be a parent, starting businesses, having job experiences in the career, in the corporate world. You know, there's so much more that happens in the life of someone who's 45 and so much more that they can draw from than someone who's 22. And when you also think about the fact that women do have a unique perspective and they're writing music and material about their life experiences that speak to women who are also their same age and need that kind of content. You know, I, I don't want to be only listening to songs about 21 year olds who excuse my French just want to get laid. That's not my life experience, right? Like I'm married. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm (laughs) not necessarily, even though it might be fun to dance to, That's not necessarily going to move me in a way that's going to cause me to, like, open my wallet and buy from an artist the same way it would if I I were listening to a woman who's my age and who has had some similar life experiences. That's going to move me in a far more profound way. And I think that artists tend to miss that, um, you know, there's a difference between being marketable, quote unquote, in the traditional sense of the word, and moving, and marketable doesn't always mean profitable, but moving when you move somebody that always means profitable,
0: it's always one, absolutely. It's, and it's one of the things about the democratization of the music industry, the rise of the indie yeah, artist in recent a great years. Great way to put that it. is I love that. That is it, it's the thing that probably excites me the most about it is that more voices can come in, and you know some of those voices mm-hmm. can be older. And the music industry and art in general is, as you noted only more enriched by bringing in these other voices. I'm glad that you brought about uh, the perspective that only older creators can provide. I remember a couple years back, I had a client who was a, he must've been in his seventies or eighties and he actually released Mm. his debut album at this age. And the lead single was a song about being this like really crushing, like, you know, Johnny Cash singing hurt style of his experience with the Vietnam war and what it did to him. And, no 20 year old can sing that song no no <laughs> you know so if not we,
1: convincingly anyway exactly
0: <laughs> like uh, nick nick Jonas, it's not going to sound quite right coming out of him <laughs> right. and so the only way that like so if we don't open up the industry to these people then the art loses out because we don't get to hear that message and so Absolutely. you know I, i'm i'm glad that folks like you are are counseling these kind of creators are allowing those, uh, voices of all ages to, to enrich the art that's put out into the world. And I very much appreciate that. There's one more thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of your consulting philosophy, before we get into the final question that we ask all of our guests. And, uh, you, I noticed that in your work, you've also emphasized that you try to serve your clients as a whole person rather than just Mm -hmm. trying to counsel them as an artist. And I, I certainly love that. And I think that taking a whole person approach to any sort of coaching, whether it's artist coaching or professional coaching or otherwise is definitely a net positive for the artists. I'm curious, what does that look like for you in practice?
1: So it it harkens a little bit back to what we were talking about at the beginning and how each artist really is unique and how each artist needs time, (laughs) more time. And how do we really create a career that has legs and longevity if the artist isn't enjoying the things that they're doing in their careers? And also if they're if they're sacrificing the rest of their personal lives at the altar of their careers. Mm. Um, you know, I, it's kind of crass, but I'm going to go there because I always say, you know, most artists, well, I shouldn't say most artists, but if you think about the large majority of artists that have had massive mainstream success. Very there's a very large chunk of them who have ended up in a par- in a in a parking lot barefoot after having shaved their head, beating off paparazzi with an umbrella, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying.
0: Throwback, all right.
1: Right? <laughs> so that to me is not success. Sure, she's sitting in a mansion in LA. Now with billions of dollars or whatever.
0: Boy, she turned it around, huh? Destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So to me, that's not success. To me, Mm. success is having the ability to be at home when your baby is born and not forced to be out on a freaking radio tour. And to have the control to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to be here when my kid is born. Or just I'm sorry, my mental health is needing to have a break, and I'm not going to go on tour for the next, you know, 90 days, and and not also lose revenue. So when I do sit down with an artist, you know, I I want to, and especially because the majority of the work that I, I do now is with women, I don't work exclusively with women, but that is the majority of my focus. Um, when I, you know, many of them want to be parents one day. You know, And even though I do have male clients that also think about wanting to be parents, they don't think about it in the same way. And I'll tell you a really short story just to give some context. Um, There's an organization here in Nashville called Change the Conversation. It was started by Leslie Fram, who's senior VP at CMT and Tracy Gershon and a number of other women in the industry to start talking about um, getting more female country artists on country mainstream radio. And I went to one of their... Uh, events and they were um, interviewing some journalists who were talking about how when they are sitting down and and being asked to ask a certain amount of questions to artists if they're in front of Carrie Underwood they're going to ask her what's it like to be a parent while on tour or how is parenthood going but if they're sitting down with Luke Bryan they're not going to ask him the same questions because it's just kind of irrelevant in the mind of the guy, or at least that's a perception. And so again, for females, like most of them do want to have that as part of their life experience. And if that is what they want to do, I've got a client right now in Florida, who's like, I'm going to, my husband and I are going to have a baby in the next one to two years. And I'm like, well, then we need to get your income up and your work hours down. Cause you're so used to being a workaholic because you make that shift into being a parent and Holy freaking crap. I've done it twice. It will, you know, it's a drastic change in your life. And if you have a business structure that can support you through that transition and you know how to serve your, your uh, fans at a really high level and monetize them well, you're going to be able to ride that transition through really effectively. Um, and so that, you know, and that goes for even like being a dog mom or taking <laughs> six months off every year to travel or whatever that looks like for the particular artist. Not everyone wants to do the parent thing. And I get that, but you know it's taking a holistic look at what does this artist really want out of their life as a whole and how do we design a business that serves all parts of them?
0: Well, and as you indicated, given how much a person's life context can affect their immediate future of their professional life, if a failure to acknowledge that context and you know make it part of your advice, you'd sort of be almost committing malpractice. so I, I that's, a, right. that's a that's a that's <laughs> right. a great perspective. Uh, This has been really awesome folks. And if you're looking for a consultant who is going to uh, give you terrific advice that always is keeping your life context in mind, you should check out our guests resources at www.lindsaykirkendall.com. That is K-I-R-K-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. Lindsay, one last question before we let you go. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward?
1: Yeah, my best tip for artists, because the number one thing I often hear is frustration around growing an audience online, engaging their audience and doing it effectively. And it's usually because the artist is not really connected to who they are as a person and what that means in terms of how they show up as a brand online. And so the best thing that an artist can do for their career is to have a really really deep understanding of who they are as a person. And just like quick exercise, if you had to, you know, general sense you, if you had to describe yourself in three words, what would those three words be? If you can ask yourself that. Pick your three words and understand that's likely what your your fan, your ideal super fan, if you will, is experiencing from you and your art. And we also want to really understand what is our message? What are we trying to say in the world? How are we showing up in the world? What do we want to say with our art? And then who, what type of person do we want to impact with our music? Because if we can get very, very specific, and I'm sure you've heard the whole thousand true super fans and you can have a full-time career, and that's a great statistic, um, but you don't, it doesn't do anything for you unless you know who your super fans are or who you are, interested in or feel like you're meant to impact with your art and creativity. If you can answer those three things really effectively, it's going to completely change how you market on social media. And it really lays the foundation for you to even have a better understanding on how to identify what revenue streams do make sense for you. Because like we said, there's over 40 freaking revenue streams available to an independent artist. And if you have a sense of like, who are you? How are you showing up in the world? What is it that you want to say with your art? And who are you really meant to impact? Then it's really a lot easier of a process to identify out of these 40 revenue streams, because not everyone's going to be able to take advantage of all 40, which ones are right for me and my business. And how am I going to serve my my fans in a way that really is going to allow me to monetize them at a high level?
0: That's great perspective. that's so so good. I'm I, I know you can't see it because uh, we don't have the video on on the Zoom here, but I'm pretty sure I just like strained my neck from all the nodding I've been doing while you gave that <laughs> answer. You check out our, Well,
1: I'm glad I've got a partner in crime with you then, Ryan. Without
0: um, anybody who is a friend of the indie artist and is uh, here to empower independent creators and help them find success on their own terms is always going to have a home here at the Break the Business podcast. You can find out more about our guest's work, again, by visiting www.lindsaykirkendall.com. Lindsay, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us your time this week. Absolutely. And thank Absolutely. you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast. back.